0: Hello, hello, this is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Okay, so before I introduce the guest, I want to ask you guys a quick favor. I promise it will only take a minute. If you can please go to iTunes, give me a five-star rating, a short, short review. Glowing, of course, would be preferable. I would really appreciate it. Today on the podcast, Dave Metzler. Dave is probably best known for show running, executive producing the hit MTV show Catfish, now going into its eighth season. Hard to believe that's a lifetime for any show. As someone who loved the documentary, I've always been super curious about how that show is actually produced. And Dave shares some really interesting behind the scenes tidbits and stories. Dave was also there for the genesis of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy for Bravo back in the day. He tells a great story of how that show came to
1: be and got off the ground. Hi, Dave. Hi.
0: Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me. Are you
0: comfy? Is that, yeah, I'm okay. pretty good. Are you sure you can like settle into the corner okay, of the nut? see. I think that's good. <laughs> okay, feel free to rearrange. I'll probably move around. Yeah, that's how you can get up, start pacing. <laughs> <laughs> so you're here at my house. Thank you for coming. Thanks for having me over. And this is the first time we've met. I always start by saying how we met. And we, we, your name is very familiar to me um, through David Collins, first of all. Sure. Let's, we'll talk about that and Queer Eye and all that good stuff. He's always said amazing things about you. And then Eddie and I were texting Eddie Schmidt, and I'm like, give me some guests. I need some guest ideas. And he said, Dave Metzler. And I go, yes, I, that's right. Oh, that's He's nice, I,
1: um, uh, I was listening to a bunch of your podcasts uh, over the last couple of days. They're great, by the way.
0: Thank you, doing your homework.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely, getting prepared. Uh, and I, yeah, I listened to Eddie's and it was great. Uh, Eddie's, Eddie, I love Eddie's, great
0: and also we have another mu- yes I love Eddie too I shouldn't leave it there people are like oh she doesn't like Eddie um, I love Eddie and uh, Michael Seldich
1: oh sure yeah, yeah Michael Seldich is great wow Michael goes way way back yeah. all the way back to the the very first season of Queer Eye yeah
0: well and also um, Catfish didn't he do yes it? Yeah, he, he, he directed a couple
1: episodes of uh, or, or actually ran half a season of Catfish for us as a co-EP and a director.
0: Yeah, I really like him. He's more of a new friend, but we worked together on a project just now and really enjoyed it. Oh, cool. Yeah, he was super helpful from the Catfish experience, too, because it was similar. <laughs> oh, of, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll tell you about it off oh, mic.
1: Okay, we'll talk <laughs> later.
0: <laughs> later. So, yeah, so um, I don't, so again, I know I know your name, I know your bio, but I don't really know you. So why don't we start at the beginning? Sure. So you grew up in, we're just talking about it. Yeah. So I grew up up outside
1: of Boston, uh, in the South shore in a town called very Norman Rockwellian town called Ducksbury, Massachusetts, right on the, right on the water. Um, it's lovely growing up there <laughs> uh, I was a lifeguard at the beach it was a very it was very nice growing up and uh no traumatic childhood to speak of no no traumatic yeah. childhood I mean my parents wouldn't let me have a dog that was that was difficult so oh, I had right. a pet goldfish which <laughs> they just uh, not the same in second grade I I I drew a picture of the goldfish and you know they said <laughs> draw a picture of your pet I drew a picture of the goldfish with a sad face and I said I can't pet him so oh. that was a, a real uh a real attempt Years to of make therapy. them feel how much I wanted a dog. And then but but you have one, have, I, have, I have a couple now. Oh. And there's one there. Yes,
0: we're gonna, <laughs> he likes to make himself known. Maybe you heard us talking about dogs. That's right. <laughs> so smart. Yes. Um, okay, so then where'd you go to college?
1: So I went to, well, I went to Boston College for a year. Oh. And then I went to Ithaca College. And then I went to Boston University Grad School. Oh, nice. I decided that I really liked college and I just didn't want it to end. Yeah,
0: I did that too. Completely useless Um, (laughs) um, for me. What about you?
1: (laughs) yeah, moderate. (laughs) I mean, undergrad, not much there. Uh, Graduate school ended up being kind of valuable.
0: Did you do the TV and film program? Yeah, yeah. And that's known for being a really good one.
1: It's good. You know, it it was, um, I, I think... I think it was very good. We I I was in the screenwriting uh, Emphasis in Film and TV and you know a lot of it's like what I think um a lot of people learn about going to film school a lot of it was uh, making great relationships and you know meeting uh, great friends and people who have been collaborators through my life. Um it's a it was an excellent it was a tiny program, you know, so it was good. It was one of the, it was the, it was uh one of those programs you could really sort of sink into. And, and, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's, you look back at it now and you go, God, I wish I could do that again. I mean, it was watching great films and, you know, making your own little movies and you know, you learn calling to, it work.
0: Right. Exactly. What'd you learn to edit on? That'll give me an idea oh, of how old God, you God, are. Oh my God, the
1: steam back. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, you know, cutting literally cutting real cutting to real. The, the, wow. the yeah, and I mean, I did a little tiny bit of tape-to-tape video editing, but really it was film editing and splicing it and taping it together and
0: Amazing. Can yeah. you believe that that existed? <laughs> For as I long always, as
1: it did. <laughs> I always say to people, I mean, you kind of wish in some ways it still existed in some ways and not in many ways, but the you know, I think we've all gotten so comfortable with editing and re-editing and editing and re-editing and and well, well what would it look like if we just right. changed everything? Right. Can you, you know? go back
0: to that other cut for a second? And I
1: think that um, in those in those days, which is uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm a guy now saying in those back days. Back in my day, Uh you know every edit was a very um, was a very big decision, and you thought about it because you know once you made that cut, that was the cut. And you know, there's only so many times you could tape the work print back together. So true, you're right. There's so, there's something to that for sure. You know, so you had to you had to you you had to spend time planning it. And now, and and there's a good side to this too. But you know, obviously now with how how simple it is to do and undo things in an Avid. you, you, you tend to go, well, I just want to see it the other way. Okay. 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 Now we'll go back to the original.
0: My my line is always don't kill me, but
1: (laughs) (laughs) after I made them switch and I want to go back to the original, that's 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 the don't
0: kill me, but I know you're going to kill me, but you were right. Right. And either they give me the look of death. Oh no, it's fine. Still thinking the look of death. Okay. So did you want to be a filmmaker?
1: Yeah. You know, I think, uh, ever since I was, I mean, I think I can remember being like nine years old and, uh, my, my mom's, uh, dad asking me, you know, what I wanted to do. And I want to, I want to make movies. And they're like, what? <laughs> and I don't, I don't know where I got that idea. I just, I just really, it was my favorite thing to do when I was a kid just to go to the movies, you know, I, I mean, more than, more than anything else. If, if there was a free afternoon, then what do you want to do? Well, let's go see, you know, I used to love to look in the paper and find the, you know, the ads and pick one out and, and, you know, spend the afternoon. So did you end up doing films out of grad school? Uh-huh. I didn't, well, I, I you know, I, I made all kinds of terrible student films in, uh, <laughs> in college in a variety of forms. And, you know, I, I suppose I'd like to think some of them had, um, uh, little bits of potential visible in them but probably were not fully realized projects. Did
0: your professors agree? Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I think so. <laughs> okay. I think so. Um they saw you the know spark. after after undergrad I um the the process of making those short films in undergrad was it wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. It was it was um I don't know how to describe it but I think it, I think it was the tedium of the, uh, actually trying to execute, you know, a scene was different than I thought it would be. And I, so I started to lean more into the, into the writing part of it,
0: mm-hmm. which is why
1: I did the screenwriting program at BU. And and really what I, what I liked about that or what I was drawn to is just the storytelling aspect, just, you know, trying to track a story, trying to tell a story, with a strong beginning, middle and end and, and that, you know, is in service of a theme or is, or has something, you know, subversively going on underneath the, the main narrative. And I, I think what i what I found out when I got out of school and, you know, I, I lived in Boston and I was just trying to find work was, um, you know, you could do a lot of that in, in unscripted or in documentary or in, or in things that are, you know, that aren't scripted. And I started to, to sort of, you know, nose around in that.
0: Right after grad school. So you didn't even try the feature film route.
1: Um, Well, I had a, you know, I had a, I think like a lot of people, I had a funny sort of uh, checkered uh, trajectory out of, out of grad school. I mean, I wasn't really sure how to, how to get anywhere. I mean, (laughs) I had the, the only thing I knew how to do was Go to school, right? You know, and that I'd run. Exactly I'd run same. out of my ability to get loans to get any more degrees. So <laughs> right. I was kind of like, "What do I do?" Right. My first instinct, I was kind of like uh, Jason Schwartzman in Rushmore. <laughs> like I was like, "Well, how do I stay here?" And so the I, I had been a teaching assistant, and I had uh, I had worked in what they called the writers' lab, which was you know basically tutoring undergrads in in helping them write papers, and so. They had, uh, the, the woman I had uh, TA'd for, who was a wonderful, wonderful teacher um, and mentor, she she hired me as a full-time writing professor wow. <laughs> for undergrads at Boston University.
0: Like not even a TA?
1: No, she, they That's had, crazy. they just started, they had this like pilot program where I was doing um, adjunct, you know, I was doing a few classes, right? Like when I first graduated and they had, and then they said, well, we're, you know, we're going to hire five This was like your, you know, uh, communication writing one-on-one class. So every, you know, Boston University is huge. And every, almost every kid with any interest in communications came through that class from all the different schools. So they needed a lot of people to teach it. So they're like, we're going to, we're going to do five uh, full-time positions. And, you know, I got one of those, Wow, which was great. Um, but then after about a year of it, I was kind of like, you know, I'm really playing it pretty safe here <laughs> did you know what you were doing like did you know how to teach I, yeah i knew how to teach and i and i liked it and it was a curriculum that i had been taught and that i was very comfortable with and i, I knew what i was doing but you didn't see yourself
0: as an academic
1: no you know i <laughs> guess i i at that point i had some dream because i was trying to watch what you know some of the successful professors were doing I'd be like, i could do this and then in the summers i could make movies and you yeah. know this would be perfect but very quickly, a lot of my um, my friends and the the people I I I went to school with were starting to do things that felt more like adventurous. And and by adventurous, they were like paing on the movies that <laughs> that came through Boston. You know, there was uh, or doing like locations. So I started to you know I started to want to just do that stuff. So I did um, I did uh, a whole bunch of like key set pa jobs on like um little indie movies and then i started to do a lot of location scouting which be- for commercials which became the like the most fun job in in the universe uh because it was like the, you know in, in those days and coming out of school it was the day rate was like a couple hundred dollars which i thought was oh my god <laughs> i can make two hundred dollars today and like for the whole week you need me for the whole week oh my god yeah this is the best yeah and i just got to drive around all day you know they like, go to you know we're talking about Marlborough. go to marlboro and find uh you know a a, a church right. right we need an exterior and then there was this one job where this i forget for for what it was for but they wanted pictures they, they wanted pictures of signs with cool letters and they, whatever the ad campaign was they were picking and choosing letters so all i had to do was drive and take pictures of signs all day long and i thought this is the most fun ever i could just drive <laughs> my car listen to music and take pictures of signs yeah. i mean sounds great that event that you know that is not a permanent job it turns <laughs> out
0: <laughs> now was any of that connected to dave collins and his company because that's i know what they were doing
1: yeah so what happened was i i sort of did three things at once i um i i um I I did this little independent movie called The Gentleman from Boston, which was like my very first, which changed its name and was not a great movie, uh, <laughs> but was a was maybe the most fun I've ever had in my life as a as a job. I mean, I met a girl who I fell in love with on that movie. Like four of my best friends worked on that movie, and it was we were basically just running around the state house in Boston shooting some, you know, some semi-clear narrative about a political thriller
0: <laughs> was it with mark Wahlberg?
1: uh no it was it was mostly with people you wouldn't know although okay. i a, a then unknown drea de mateo was in it oh, which was cool. No. Uh, adriana yeah. is that a name
0: from the sopranos
1: so yes yeah. exactly so i did that and that led to the 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 director of that film had some tv work on on the on early hgtv where it was just oh, wow. like it was just um hgtv was just beautifully photographed kitchens and bathrooms that's what the show was kitchens and bathrooms and you would go in and you would sit on you you know this is where i sort of learned um how to do almost everything i Mm -hmm. learned more here practically than i had in school which was you know i ran a camera i ran the sound i you know i interviewed the person at the same time i lit the room and then i went back and edited it you know and, and it was just these packages about people who had Redesigned their kitchen, and 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 you know TV was each TV is a little different. There, the kitchen was done. Yeah. It wasn't like we went in there with some no great animation. personality and renovated it. Yeah. They basically you sat in the couch That's with amazing. some nice couple, and they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> the counters used to be this, and now they're granite." Did they even have pictures of the before? Yeah, they had okay, the before pictures. <laughs> and you know, you were you were really struggling to yeah, to find story. something interesting to talk about. Amazing, but you, it, from a production standpoint you know you did every single thing yourself so i, I did that you know i do episodes of that of those shows here and there which were my first producing jobs and then um and then i worked on a independent another independent movie called session nine which is where i met david collins and scout mm. productions which was brad anderson's uh, movie and it's a horror movie set in um a abandoned um mental institution in massachusetts and it's actually a really good movie and yeah. brad's a really good director um so on that movie i got to know david and michael and then once that movie was over you know i was kind of still doing some of these hgtv things but then i started scouting locations for them and and do, and, and they gave me the great uh word job the looking for signs <laughs> job, one of my favorite of all time and then eventually you know, because I was trying to figure out, all right, well, what am I, go- you know, what am I really going to do in this business? Like, how am I going to start right. the next right. phase of it? Um, because I had gotten this experience on with the HGTV shows, I was, I was like, well, I wish we I should make some, you know, TV shows. I know how to make TV shows now <laughs> or a little bit anyway. Yeah. Um. So I, I basically scout had this open sort of workspace that, was not completely filled up with people that would you know productions would come in and out of. So I just kind of walked, you know, and, and I had been hanging out with David and Michael. So one day I um, I came in and I said, "I'm your director of development now. You you don't need it. you don't need uh, to, to pay me. I just need that desk and that phone, and I'm just going to come in every day until we um, until we sell a TV show." Oh my gosh. And uh,
0: see, this is, I have to break here for the, for the lesson. Yeah. So, cause I always try to, you know, sort of highlight cause a lot of youngsters listen to the podcast and just sort of like, how do I do this? How do I make it in this business or how do I get started? And I think that's an amazing story because a lot of times you have to create it. And if you're not saying I'm going to be your director of development and you're going to pay me $500,000 a year, blah, 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 you know, <laughs> not, not that entitledness, <laughs> but just like I'll work for free and I'm all in, I think they were probably thrilled.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and it, I didn't even, you know, looking back, it's kind of funny because I don't even know if I knew what a director, of dev- <laughs> like, I don't know how I came up with the idea that, that that was the title or what development even was. Right. I just like, okay, you know, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to think of ideas. And I'm going to call people mm-hmm. and you don't have to pay me. And I sort of somehow knew that that if that worked, like that would put me in a position, where I jump up the ladder, Mm -hmm. you know, in success. And then, and then I also sort of intuitively knew that I was young enough that it was a better idea than continuing to try to hustle for day jobs, you know, like day, day, day rates, you know, and, um, and so I did that and we, we, and I had, you know, I had saved for the time i had felt like i was saved a ton of money from that word job (laughs) (laughs) so i could get by for a little while and as i was there they would throw you know they would throw more scouting jobs so you know a a couple days here and there and that's all i that's all at that time i really needed i had three roommates and you know um the girl i loved broke up with me so i didn't have anywhere to spend my money
0: uh yeah see this (laughs) is the advantage of a a heartbreak (laughs) Okay, so I had David on. I don't know if yeah. you listened to that one. I um, haven't
1: heard that one. Okay,
0: so he we we go way back to sort of how the whole queer eye inspiration happened. And if uh, you're listen, if people are listening, they haven't heard that. It's the David Collins episode. Um, we talk about the origins of queer eye, and so he tells the story of how. He was at some event and basically some schlubby guy you know kind of came in and he turned to i think michael and said you know god like i I would love to make him over and that was sort of the 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 kernel or the light bulb moment for queer eye so you were there at the time talk about sort of like did he come in the next day and say hey here's something let's talk about how to make it a show it's funny because
1: these memories are um are i'm i feel so old right now because this is so long ago yeah but here's how i remember it yeah like so so David and I and our and our, another one of our great friends, uh, Sean Baker, um, had had decided to do a spec pilot called Musical Chairs, which was like a a, a, mute, a you know a city to city based show about the local music scene right and we thought this would be cool and it was something to do and you know so we had we had basically gone out and you know solicited some of our favorite local musicians and did this whole like kind of round table like talk show and uh, it it was sort of an okay idea but it was super fun to do so we were we were uh, we were editing that right so we were in these editing rooms and, and the way I remember it was I was it was a Sunday afternoon and I was I was in there and David came, I was in the edit bay and David came running in and like, I think I have an idea. I think I have an idea. And I was <laughs> like, I all right, what's it. what's the idea? You know, and and he said, um, I was at this, you know, open studio art show in South Boston and there was this schlubby guy with his girlfriend, and there was another group of gay men across the room. Right. And those those guys basically You know, the woman was started to kind of berate her husband or boyfriend or whoever and saying something like, well, why can't you get it together and look more like those guys? And those guys kind of came over and rescued him. And they're like, what are you talking about? You know, your husband's hot. All you need to do is do this and that and the other thing. And and David said to his friends, you know, that's like the queer eye for the straight guy. And, and then he was like, Oh my God, that should be a show. So he came back yes, to the that office was, for
0: the record. That was the story. I, I, have a, <laughs> I have a bad memory, but that was the story. You exactly lined up with what he told me. Oh good. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: so he came back and, you know, kind of spit this out to, to the room, you know, and I, and I was just like, yeah, that's a big idea. That's a big idea. So, so we spent, um, the next, you know, maybe six months, um, developing it and
0: so what were you doing in those six months were you coming up with so what happened it
1: kind of broke out like David had had this big idea and then we all brainstormed as this group of guys which was super fun and then I kind of took all of that material and whittled it down to uh to a format which sort of has become a, a sort of the thing I often do which I often kind of make the, the original big idea into a television format. And I'm not exactly sure, I can't exactly remember how we made the decisions for how to format it, but I remember, you know, I was writing drafts and drafts and drafts of this format and we would all talk about it and come up with different things to throw into it and then I'd go back and revise it. And then David to, to sell it wanted to do a, a pitch book, you know, like the equivalent of a deck, but he wanted to do it looking like an Esquire magazine. Yeah. Uh edition.
0: I, I told him I saw it when I was at VH1. Oh really? Yeah, it was 99.
1: Oh wow. Um
0: was that right? No, uh 2000 or 2000. Yeah, it was right around. Yeah, it might have been 2000.
1: Two, 2000, 2001, somewhere yeah. in there.
0: Okay, sorry. It was the second time I went, bus, 2000. Um Yeah, I mean it was the early days, right? Of real of and uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the second time I went back. So it was yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I remember seeing it, you know, and I wasn't in development. I was just a producer there. And I thought like, this is so much fun. And it looked like a magazine. I didn't even understand really what I was reading. Cause it wasn't like, I didn't know from pitches, you know yeah. what I mean? It was, and I was like, I don't know what I'm looking at, but this is awesome. Like, I think I thought I was reading an article.
1: It was <laughs> cool. And that, <laughs> that little, indie magazine we made called queer eye for the straight yeah. guy took a long time david got very particular about the layout as yeah. if it was being released right you know <laughs> on newsstand. um and it was, was great
0: Was the people in the article those were not the fab five they were cast no they were they
1: were us they were so i'm guys. in there oh that's amazing michael's in there i don't think david i think david was taking the pictures so i don't think he was one of the guys but but me and all the guys from the office were the you know fab five Um,
0: that's amazing. Do you still have it somewhere?
1: I, you know, my sister designed it, so she has it somewhere. She's a graphic designer. So she did that whole layout, um, which was really cool. Uh, so when you were
0: doing it and you took, like you said, six months, months—that's a really long time. Did you think, I know you said that's a big idea, but you can think a lot of things are a big idea and they can fall flat or they can never sell, or you can change your mind six months later when you were ready to take it out. Did you think, I know this is going to sell and I know it's going to be a hit?
1: I mean, no, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> you know, I didn't know what I was doing at all. I just thought right, this you had never even sold yeah, the show. yeah, I mean, we were in Boston, right,
0: right, right. right. You know,
1: we knew nobody, right. So then like, how did it happen? So, so David and Michael had, had made some really excellent movies with Errol Morris Right. and, you know, they made some, some other independent movies, but they had a really strong relationship with Errol who worked out of Cambridge where they partnered on these movies and, um, And then they sold a a TV show called First Person, which if anybody hasn't seen, it's like one of the best yeah. TV shows. It was just, it was just like Errol Morris movies as episodes. And it, is
0: that where the intertron started?
1: I don't know if it, that's where it started, but Errol used it in, in you know, he did a, a very cool setup where
0: yeah, you're looking straight to the camera, you're looking straight
1: down the camera, and he's in another room. yes and you're seeing his face on the you yeah. Know, and David
0: and I talked about this too, yeah. and I think you can see some episodes on YouTube as well.
1: I hope so. I mean, it's yeah. a really good show, and so. Um, that relationship so that they had you know errol and scout had sold that i think originally to it was originally to ifc and mm. it, i think it went one season on ifc and then switched over to bravo which bravo at the time you know was owned by rainbow <laughs> media right. it was the home of uh inside the actor's studio and cirque du soleil i think yeah, that was it and that was it yeah. right and it was a real like almost pbs style i want to say like arts channel right. in, in the sense that it, it really was almost like a fine arts thing right. and, then, and then they started they were just starting to you know try to i don't know try to they were just starting to veer off in other directions they i think they had were doing a michael moore series or had started oh, maybe really? that started ifc there was something interesting there but um more or less that's the only contact in television david knew david knew francis right so the the way i remember it is he uh he called francis sent over this thing and you know i i think i'm sure it took a little longer than this but in the you know in the storytelling Memory version, Francis calls back and says,
0: We're doing it. Don't
1: take it anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it was some version of that. Amazing. And it, it did end up somehow at VH1 in that mix. I've, you know, David knew Michael Hershorn. Yeah. And he was, I think, yep, at the head he at that time. Yep. And he had taken a look at it, but it ended up, you know, obviously it ended up at Bravo and, and, um, it, it was a, it was the first pitch and mostly the only pitch. I think it was lightly pitched to to Michael. I don't think we ever got a real big pitch. I can't remember. It's kind
0: of an amazing sliding doors thing because if it had ended up on VH1, I don't think it would have become the hit that it was.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the, I don't, I, who knows? Well, I mean, it
0: put Bravo on the map, you but know? But the, the
1: series of events that had the lineup right for that show yeah. to do what it did is incredible I mean it wasn't just that it landed on Bravo it was that Francis saw it and loved it and Francis is amazing yeah um and wanted to nurture this project which she did and she took a, a chance on it and then as we as we deliver the pilot um which you know somehow we figured out how to make <laughs> she, she the NBC uh, NBC buys Bravo And she, somewhere over there, she takes it, you know, up the chain at at NBC and, and Jeff Gaspin um, decides that, you know, this is, this is the show. Like we're going to, we're going, this is what we're going to relaunch the Bravo brand on. So with NBC money, you know, we, we go and make the series and then Jeff is obviously Jeff and Francis are obviously monitoring us making the series and somewhere along the line they decide we're going to put basically the entire marketing budget <laughs> like we that. have for the whole channel behind this one show and they really and you know vivi Ziegler headed up that um the marketing campaign and they really just did the the most amazing marketing plan and people really became aware of it and that wasn't easy because people right. weren't You know, at that time, we were struggling to figure out if people had Bravo on their cable providers.
0: I mean, it was appointment television at the time because I think that was, you know, either right around when TiVo started or right before. Yeah. And it was, you know, we were all watching it. We were all co-watching it. It was a big phenomenon.
1: Michael has a great story. We were, at at the time, we were commuting between... Boston and New York when we yeah. were making the, the series and right. I, I didn't leave New York much but you know Michael and David had a house in Boston and Michael in particular and they had an office in Boston and Michael was doing a lot of the train commuting between the two cities and the, their their train uh, the train had stopped or you know broken down or had a delay and uh, people on the train were like oh my god I'm gonna miss Queer Eye wow. and Michael Michael was like well then that's when I knew this was you know, this was big. <laughs> That's
0: when you get chills. That's yeah. amazing. So fast forwarding a little bit, um, that takes off and that kind of propels your career in yeah. that in a big way. Did you move to New York? Did you move to LA? Like what happened next?
1: Yeah. So we, when the show got ordered to series, I moved to New York, but sort of accidentally. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the making of, of Queer Eye was, it, it was an amazingly fun period of time because it was that we were all really young we didn't know what we were doing but in a (laughs) a really good way like we we were just going with it and it was super exciting so we had done this pilot it was really fun to do the cast was incredible Um, we got the word from francis that they wanted to do i think 13 of them but we had to do it in new york which we had anticipated so it was like, I don't know, maybe it was like a month after we got that that order, you know, I think that came in like right before the holidays and right after the holidays, uh, David and I decided we were going to go scout office locations in New York City for the weekend. So I drove my car over to the Boston office, put it in the parking lot and didn't come back for six months. Oh my God. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh which you know? Did which, you have
0: like a suitcase with you? Yeah, or I, you had a, I had I had enough clothes, clothes
1: for <laughs> okay. the for the weekend that wow. I left for, and then I'm sure like somebody shipped me some stuff. And then, as soon as I started working with Carson, he basically insisted that he go and buy me oh, that's stuff. That's hilarious. Yeah, so uh, you had to get a new wardrobe. I, I got a new wardrobe where at that time everything was probably one size too small, so I didn't. eat. <laughs>
0: were you the ep on the show were you running the show yeah so we didn't
1: actually you know i was trying to think about that history you know because i knew we'd talk about it and i and i think in trying to remember (laughs) how it all worked nobody i don't know about nobody but certainly us hadn't coined the word showrunner in unscripted yet okay and it was so early in unscripted that how you structured an unscripted show was sort of undefined it's sort of funny just go do it yeah, go make that show. And the experience we all had was really experience in independent filmmaking. And then we, our first hire uh, was uh, Lynn Sadowski.
0: Oh my gosh, yeah, that's right.
1: Who is incredible. I love Lynn. And she um And she was the only one of us with any TV experience. And her TV experience out of New York at that time was you know was were not there weren't really reality shows they were more there were docs and they were they were like i think probably they were segment based right. you know non-fiction shows that were structured very differently than your than your reality shows today so you know lynn said she was the supervising producer because that's the title she had somewhere else. And we're like, that sounds good. And David and I were the executive producers. We're like, cool, you know? And then we knew we needed a line producer because you always need a line producer no matter what structure it is. And we just sort of made it up. And I it, the way it sort of fell was, you know, um I I basically ran the show, even though I didn't know I was running the show. <laughs> and we would hire other you know, producers to be, uh, show producers and we hired directors, which was a strange thing was a strange structure because you didn't really need a director, but that's what we knew most shows had. So we had directors, but those directors ended up being more producers. Producers, Yeah. I mean, it's
0: very squishy and real and unscripted. So anyway,
1: we just sort of, we just sort of figured it out. I became the, the showrunner without knowing it, which just meant that I basically on the day-to-day of it would be on all the shoots and would sort of make those decisions in the in the shooting and editing process you know and and then David had a sort of a more broader right over serial role and and Lynn just basically did everything because we didn't know what we were doing <laughs> you know, so Lynn how does yeah. this work yeah. when, you know Help that kind us. Of stuff.
0: cool so then what happened once queer I took off did you move on to another show or like how did when did catfish start
1: oh catfish started um eight years ago so 2012.
0: okay so there was a there was definitely a gap between queer eye and catfish then
1: yeah so we you know uh uh stayed with queer eye for about two years in new york and then there was the spin-off the much less successful queer eye for the straight girl
0: right i forgot about that that we decided needed
1: to be (laughs) ran out of la and so i um you moved here okay i moved here but kind of by accident there too like it was (laughs) like i was gonna go for six months for the show and sort of left all my clothes in my new york apartment and then ended up in la and you know i've been here for 15 years
0: wow okay so you talked earlier with Queer Eye how kind of you know David flew in and, and or flew into the room and said you know make this a show. So was that kind of how Catfish started with the it was a movie, yeah. And then you know that's not definitely not a clear path in my <laughs> head how that
1: becomes a series. Well, so cat so Catfish, what happened was I I had been um, you know we I'd done a bunch of shows at Scout and then after a, uh, several years there and a and a you know a whole range of different kinds of shows. I I did a few shows, uh, with my company on my own for the Sundance channel. And then after that, I kind of decided, you know, I, I the, these show the shows I got to do on the Sundance channel were great. And the, you Is know, that, you know, Lynn Kirby, yeah, Lynn Kirby's yeah. The, the greatest, the greatest, I mean, we had so much fun making these, you know, the, Robert Redford had sponsored this whole environmental block yeah. off of an, you know, basically right after an inconvenient truth came out. So and we that were, was
0: big ideas for a small planet. It
1: first was big ideas, and then I did a, a show called The Lazy Environmentalist, yeah. and then I did a couple other projects for Planet Green, and they were all with this yeah. great group of people.
0: That's amazing because you get to do socially conscious stuff. Yeah, too.
1: and it was real kind of more docky stuff. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that, but they you just didn't you know you didn't have the audience right that you were getting, and I got kind of this itch to kind of get back into what I would call pop culture Mm -hmm. projects, things that were a little more visible. Um, and I knew that I, I wasn't really getting those on my own. Like I, (laughs) like off on my own, I was having a hard time finding those or generating those in a way. So I I needed, I needed to switch things up a little bit. So, you know, I, 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 I basically read in, um, in the trade somewhere that uh, Relativity, that was uh, Tom Foreman's company at the time, Rel- Relativity yeah. Real was the right. original title. I never
0: understood the real part, but whatever. <laughs> and, yeah. I guess it's like, that's our unscripted part. Exactly. Yeah. And then
1: eventually became Relativity TV. Right. But so uh, I had read in the trades that uh, Carson had sold a show to own and or, or Relativity oh, right. had, and Tom had sold a show to own with Carson. Yeah, I remember that. And so I called my agent. And I was like, who's show running that? And, and he's like, I don't know. And he's like, turns out nobody. And I was like, all right, so, (laughs) so, uh, you know, can you please introduce me to, to those guys? So that's why I met Tom. And And also
0: Carson obviously could vouch for you.
1: Yeah. And then we had a, we made this show called Carson nation, which was on the very first, uh, launch of own, um, which was a really hilarious show that nobody saw, which was basically Carson and his assistant going to the smallest towns in America with a, with a Airstream trailer yeah you know filled with stuff and making people over
0: i by the way i did see at least one episode because that i talk about this often on the podcast my all-time favorite show of all times unscripted show was um oprah's 25th year uh, which ran on the first when went right. first
1: launched. so yeah. i was watching oh. a lot of own at the beginning well thank yeah, you yeah
0: and i'm a big carson fan so i yeah, really he's he's, he's, he's a natural i mean he's just
1: he's a he's a he is the, one of the most natural talents I've ever met. Yeah. He I just mean, just is, owns it. It's incredible. Yeah.
0: It lights up the screen. So then you did that and so then I, you formed a relationship with Tom. I and formed a
1: relationship with Tom, yeah. did another show called Coming Home, mm-hmm. um, did, a, did a pilot that turned into a, um, a special uh, that's kind of a fun side story uh, with H- Heidi Klum and Seal. Uh, RIP, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that relationship, not them. So th- they had for seven years, they had, uh, they had done a, they, they had renewed their vows and oh, had yeah. a, had a By wedding. By the way, kiss that? of death.
0: Right. Have you noticed that all couples who renew their vows get divorced?
1: Yes. That's why I'll never do it. I, I think, you know, I think you do it one time, maybe <laughs> twice. And so they had, they, they, this was their, this was their thing. They would do it every year right. and, and would throw a huge party. It's basically right. a wedding. So they came up with an idea that was redoing weddings for people whose weddings Uh, got screwed up, which was really fun. So we did this pilot with them and Seal sang at the wedding and gave this couple this great wedding. And we loved it. It was for Lifetime. Perfect. And then as we finished it and delivered it, you know, we basically delivered it. And like a day or two later, I remember waking up and my phone was exploding. And I'm like, oh, no, they split and up. They split up. <laughs> I was like, well, that's the end of that series. <laughs> they, they couldn't have
0: held out till you sold know,
1: it? They couldn't. No, it do one season. season. One yeah, season. One season. God, those um, fuckers. So anyway, yeah. So after that, you know, somewhere <laughs> after that and after coming home, Tom said, I've, you know, we did this relativity and, and I did this, um did this pilot for MTV based on the the catfish movie and it, Relativity owned the catfish movie they had they had released it oh, so there was some synergy where with at the time between the film and television sides where they were like how do we use yeah. some of these, this intellectual property Definitely. and spin it off into shows and Tom had had come, had said let's let's make catfish into a into a series so they did a pilot that they that they really liked and MTV picked up. And, and so he asked me to run it.
0: Was the pilot already kind of what the show looked like? Yeah. I'll, I'll, in less. a lot of
1: ways. I mean, you know, it's, it's, we've done 140 of them now. Oh my so God. It's,
0: and have you been the showrunner yeah, from the beginning of it? Since the
1: beginning of it. Yeah. And,
0: and then it's, I mean, it just keeps getting renewed.
1: It like, does. It's one of those shows <laughs> you, you sort of dream of as a producer where. Right.
0: The gift that keeps on It giving. keeps
1: on coming, you know, and, and it's, you know, it still does, it still does well in the ratings and it's, yeah. It's had a lot of of fun cultural touch points. Where um, I think our, our favorite thing that's happened with that show is we got a, a we a, uh, a a second definition was added in the dictionary for wow. what a catfish is. Well, so- I was
0: saying to my husband, he <laughs> asked me before, you know, he always like, who are you, who are you interviewing? And I said. I told him you and then I said catfish and he goes. I said you know catfish right? He goes well. I know what the term means, but what's what is it? You know, I'm like, isn't that amazing that like yeah he knows the term as a term, but that's not right. as a show.
1: It's it's been a it's 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 that's had a real sort of the name catfish the title the, yeah. the phenomenon has had a um a, has resonated in pop culture in a way that is stuck, which is really interesting
0: i have to say i mean i saw the dock and it blew my mind yeah. i mean i just remember i i like to go in as much as i can cold on most docks, especially sure. the ones like abducted planes just the ones that you know i hear abducted are crazy and i don't read like anything or did you see that That's, one oh my insanity God. <laughs> that made catfish look normal um and i was I literally was like, what the hell am I seeing? And, um, and I have seen a couple of, I'm not a watcher catfish. I have seen a few episodes and I did even for research on this last show that Zelda sure. Tran. Um, and what was so interesting to me is, and, and Michael told us this as well. I don't think I'm getting, giving any secrets away. We could always cut it, but I think it's a a positive thing because everything's scripted and producers, you know, everything. And what's amazing to me is how much Neve, is in the dark and who's his psychic? oh max max sorry yeah. i didn't mean psychic but his partner they, yeah. they really truly are doing an investigation and they don't know they they sort of dive into it like the you know following right. the clues and that kind of amazed me because i just assumed everything was already produced
1: i mean that that's really one of the fun parts of of that show is yeah. it's really unfolding in front of you right and you know as much preparation as we've done as producers to anticipate things it's still surprising to us but you know neve and max and max has since moved on from the show um because he's a he's a filmmaker in his own right and now we're we're looking for our new co-host oh, wow. um, and we've had a whole bunch of guest co-hosts on this past season and and it's been really fun with them because they they come in and can't believe it. <laughs> right, they're like, What's going <laughs> they're on? like "Wait, we, we, you guys really know nothing?" And we're like, "Yeah, yeah. you got to figure it out." Yeah. You know, and that's I mean, it it's it's fun. It's 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 a very documentary in spirit type of show. Right. You Which know? is
0: great that you kept that
1: feel yeah. of it.
0: So, a couple questions about it. Um First of all, Seltich also told us that you guys have been catfished. Like the casting process itself is insane. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. Like people have no idea what you guys go through just trying to get the story.
1: I mean, I think it's, this, this has happened, (laughs) (laughs) this has happened to people in, in real life. You know, like they, 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 they call us up and they want to find out who they're talking to and sometimes they're catfishing us sometimes they, they you know they want to be on the show and they've made up a story right and it's hard to know sometimes and it's hard right? to know <laughs> and eventually you figure out a way to find out but yeah and you know you just have to you have to find people who who are you know the the key to the casting process is really finding people who are really invested in this and it turns out there are a lot of them who are really in love with somebody or think they're in love with somebody they don't know how to solve this problem and they've seen the show.
0: But it's just so weird <clears throat> to me. I mean, I'm sure people, and it might be annoying to talk about it, so I apologize. It's probably like <laughs> people talk to you at parties about this all the time. Like, it's so weird to me in 2019 with all the technology we yeah. have, and FaceTime and Skype, that people are still experiencing this. Like, did you hear about Dina Lohan?
1: Oh yeah, we, we <laughs> Is were- Is she gonna be on F? <laughs> we had explored it. And but I, like, she's
0: I, completely being catfished, right? Yeah,
1: I think so. Or. or you know, it depends how you define catfish. I think that okay. he's probably who he says he is, but there's other things going on. You know, I mean, it's all right. something's going on. If you're if you if you've been right. dating somebody you haven't met,
0: I bet he's married.
1: We Maybe. we never got that far, right. and I think what happened was the the relationship either blew up or it oh, might be over. it might be back now. I don't know, but it, <laughs> it was happening and then it wasn't happening. And but the I you know, it's a good question, and it's sort of the fascinating part of the show. And you know, without playing too much of an armchair psychologist i think a lot first of all most of the people on the show are very young yeah and what's sort of charming about the whole thing is it's a heightened version of young love yeah. right so when you're it's kind of like if you remember back to when you had fallen in love for the first or second time in, yeah no in, in, in high my 20s
0: in my 20s before email i right. mean we i i was it was long distance relationship and we wrote letters and talked on the right. phone every single right. day like i saw him like once every six months yeah and it turns out i wasn't being catfished but it turns out if we had had other technology it probably would have ended way sooner
1: right. and i think you know the the simplest way to describe how it can still happen with yeah. with facetime with all the ways to verify somebody's identity is the person being catfished just doesn't really want to know the truth. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. They're sort of, you know, willfully diluting themselves. Yeah. And because of that, the show is actually a fairly good way to come face to face with, with what's really going on largely because coming onto the show is like joining a community. Yeah. Right. You have people helping you get through this process and Neve and Max are sort of uniquely good at bringing you through that, through that experience. And what we, you know, I think what we are most proud of about the show and and this, you know, this is, this relates to Queer Eye in a, in a funny way is I, I like to do these shows that are, you know, maybe on the surface are a little salacious. But underneath them, they're subversive. Yeah. So for for Queer Eye at the time, and it's hard to, particularly in Los Angeles in 2019, it's hard to remember this clearly. But it was controversial. Right. Like the the idea. Queer
0: Eye, there's the title. The
1: title. Yeah, it's not know. like
0: LGBTQ is part of was part of the lexicon back yeah. then. And
1: the funny thing is, we had a we had a you know David may have told you the story. We had a little. Uh, disagreement with the network about the title. Yeah, we wanted it to be the queer eye for the straight guy. Right. And
0: <laughs> I love that that's even like a controversy to yeah. have. And we
1: became well, the they were Bravo and and the programmers made a great point that we didn't realize. It's like at the time on your on yeah, your TV guide on your on your scrolling guide yeah. on the TV, it, if it was the queer eye, it would cut
0: off. It would come off guy. as
1: the queer. <laughs> And they were like, nobody's gonna have any idea that's what hilarious. the what they're tu- what they're gonna tune into for the queer, but queer eye, yeah, you know, is, is a it, you're right. gonna you're gonna go, well, what's that, you know? Yeah, so- I think it's better. I think queer eye is better. <laughs> it is better. Yeah, it's and, like the uh, Facebook. Member. It was the right decision, yeah. but um, but you know, we had gotten a lot of there was a lot of concern, um, uh, when it was about to air if we were putting something on the air that's gonna be, you know, people are gonna react to in a negative way? And, you know, is it just going to be a a stereotype that, you know, are people going to say it's just a stereotype? And we got the reaction we wanted, which is we were dealing in stereotypes on the surface, Mm -hmm. but underneath there was a, you know, there was a social message, but it wasn't, it wasn't in your face. It was, it was in comedy,
0: which is the best show Yeah, when, when you don't know even that you're being educated or taught, you know, social message to (laughs) totally, we got,
1: we got letters from, you know, uh, from families and from, you know, a, from a lot of kids who were like, I came out to my parents because wow. your show gave me the confidence too, but more interesting from parents who were like, I didn't really get my son and but then I saw your show and these guys and it, it makes more sense to me now. And, and things, things like that, that were really nice. And yeah. the show was meant to be entertainment. And so it's nice, you know, it wasn't meant to be message based and to be medicine, but it, but you, if you, you know, it's fun to do things that can have an impact. So it, with, with catfish, it's sort of a similar thing, right? Everybody wants to tune in to see, well, who is the person right. really behind that door? Right. But we, that, that happens in almost the middle of the show and the rest of the show is trying to sort it out. And the back end of the show is is really about finding compassion for people who are having or are struggling with their identity. Yeah. And so it's, you know, there's a lot of love is love to our show. There's a lot of people trying to figure out um where they are on the gender spectrum. There's a lot of exploring of identity. And I think what's really fun about that is that you you get to tell all these stories in a documentary way about all kinds of people with all growing up and living in all kinds of situations and people relate to that.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially that MTV audience, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just so different than when we were growing up. And, yeah. You know, like we didn't even, there wasn't an identity thing to even, not even a conversation to have. Right. Gender fluidity. I mean, it's like, what was that? You know, we we just didn't yeah. have that in, in our conversation.
1: So it's, you know, that's No, sort I of, agree with you. I think yeah. that's
0: really cool. Back to Queer Eye for a minute, just because you sure. talked about sort of the heart of it and the message and you know, the acceptance from the gay community. I'm assuming you've seen the reboot. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you feel about the evolution of it?
1: It's great. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I I was thinking about that driving over in that, in that I think the. The the show has come on in two very interesting times in in sort of the American culture. Mm -hmm. Right. So when we first launched the show we used to joke one of the reasons we got lucky was that the, the show launched in the summer of gay it was 2003 <laughs> and all of a sudden there was all of this really sort of, you know, will and grace was becoming oh, very, okay. very popular and queer as folk had just come on to uh, uh showtime oh, wow. and it was becoming like it's, the, it was a zeitgeist moment right. and you can never predict the zeitgeist. But at that moment, this was the thing, it was the time, yeah, you know, and, um, and the way to deal with it, I think, the way to to the way to tell the story then was really, really based in humor. Mm-hmm. Really, what we wanted to do was make it funny. Yeah. And and as we were saying, it we wanted it. We wanted its message to be in that spirit of of fun that we had created, and we wanted the guy, the straight guy on the show and the and the guys of Fab Five to bond. But in a but in a really, you know, in a in a really fun yeah. and funny like. way. And so th- there's a, there's a little story that goes along with that, where when the story when the show was about to be um, released, we were doing all this, uh, like the TCAs, and we were we were we were announcing the show and yeah. doing all this pr- these press conferences, and uh, the very we had this media training that was really interesting. Where we had this great, none of us had had any experience. Like all the guys were were had no TV right, experience and did, did not have a public persona yet. So it was very good to sort of learn how to answer and field questions. And because of it, we we were we were very confident. But one of the things the the media trainer was telling us is like, you know, this is the TCAs. these, these, uh, television critics have been sitting in these seats for days. They're grumpy. (laughs) They're going to throw probably tough questions, you know, about this show. And we were trying to guess what those questions were. And just as, as he had predicted, like the first question (laughs) out of the gate was, you know, this guy stands up and says something to the effect of, well, how would you guys feel If five straight guys came in and started messing with your life and (laughs) and, and making fun of this or that, and Carson immediately, like without missing a beat says, uh, we did that. It was called High School, and the wow, place. Wow, that's lost amazing. It. And, and, the, and that and was it. it. And, and you're like, "That's the show. That's the, that's show. the show." Wow. And the what media trainer line. was like yeah. over the moon. He's like, "That was perfect." That's um, uh,
0: we did. Oh, that's such a great line. Yeah. So so good.
1: Um, I lost so, track. no, of,
0: I'll tell you where you were. It was you're saying that at 2003 came along oh, at the right. right time, and I think you were getting to the where yeah, so that, I came along. That's a sort of
1: way yeah. of of telling the story and and sort of making these guys superheroes and all of that was right for the time and it and it really opened up it really fit into the culture and started some conversations and was great and now you know in in this time and space the 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 country almost feels darker you think (laughs) and it's it's um it's a really different kind of culture and it's scary and there's a lot of fear and I, and I think the new show wears its heart on its sleeve more and I think that's I think that's appropriate for sort of where we are because it would be weird to you know we were just in ours we were we were we were almost announcing ourselves and it was it, there weren't gay characters on television and it was it was a different yeah it was it was like a it was like a celebration this is a little bit like hey guys well it's, Things are screwed up. Like, yeah. remember, remember that we're more alike than we're dis, than we're not. It's interesting
0: know? that you say that because I'm dropping, um, Karamo, I interview Karamo from the present Queer Eye okay. and I'm dropping it this week. So yours is going to air after. So people will have heard Karamo's already. Oh, cool. And he tells a little story that David actually came to him because Karamo was doing his Karamo and kind of getting deep and getting emotional yeah. and people were crying and, David came to his trailer and basically said, knock it off. This is a fun show, (laughs) like no more tears, you know, which is funny because that kind of became the heart of the show was this sort of inner makeover Yeah, and you know, I'm not crying, you're crying. And it's funny that maybe not by not, purpose but by design it kind of found its footing in more of a heartfelt way because i agree with you like we do need that heart right now and it's still fun and light and still has that dna of the old show but i think it evolved in just the right way
1: totally i mean i think that's it, it it fits the time perfectly and that's the i think that's the great legacy i hope of of the project, you know, of the show that it it's at two different periods. Now it's sort of tapped into the psyche of the country.
0: Were you surprised when David called you and said it's coming back? Or, I mean, I'm assuming he told you.
1: Yeah, I was, I, I don't know if I was surprised. I mean, the, you know, reboot mania. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, that's a good idea. Right. That's a good reboot. Yeah.
0: So just looking at your life. Now you're running catfish still, which I imagine takes up a lot of time, but I know you have your own company. So how do you find time to do other projects and develop and sell and produce while yeah. you're running this sort of <clears throat> machine? Well, I'm, you don't, <laughs> uh,
1: I, well, no, I, I think I've, you know, in the last couple of years, I've gotten good at that balance. It's um, I can't just do one thing it, and, you know, anybody, I mean, it, it, it feels ridiculous to complain ever about having a hit television show. So (laughs) it is not a complaint, but after doing it for eight years, you know, you, you, you do need things to new creative ideas. So I've been, I've been good. I've found a way to balance sort of, you know, the show knows what it's doing. Yeah. It's sort of a well-oiled machine. And also I'm a lot older now and I, and I understand where the most important places are. To be heavily involved, and where Where you know you know where it's it's doing just fine, you know. So that gives me time to develop and sell. And I've I've got about four projects in paid development right now that we're hoping goes to series, and we're out pitching a million things, and it's really really fun. And what's
0: the stuff that you gravitate toward? What do you love? Um, Subversive, right? That's your thing.
1: I, I I love. I mean, I I love great characters and 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 fun exciting different formats and i think what we've been trying to do it's a different world out there in the in the market than it's than it's been in the past and we're trying right now to find great talent because it's 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 better to walk into a room with somebody who's great on your show than it is with just the idea and putting them into genre formats that we're able to twist up into something a little bit different and surprising, you know, and going in, in there and say, this is, this person's perfect for this space, but here's how it's going to be different than any, you know, it's, this isn't your typical food show, or this isn't your typical home show, or this isn't your typical makeover show. We want to, we want to do it this way. And, And some of it's like, we're at a point now where we're talking a lot about deconstructing genres that you know have become so familiar to people that you're you're almost deliberately playing with that idea and and having some fun with the idea of 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 breaking it down you know and and making fun of it a little bit
0: (laughs) i like that that sounds intriguing cool so you're feeling positive about the business excited about where it's going
1: it's certainly in a in a different place than it's ever been for you know the span of my career Mm -hmm. it's there's a million places to sell yeah which is the great part. Um, But at the same time, it's, you know, in some ways it's as hard as ever to get all the way to series, you know, and I, and it's hard to explain. It's hard to intellectualize why that is, but it, I think it's just because there are so many people with so many ideas and, (laughs) and so many producers and there's so much on air. (laughs) Right. So it's hard to break through with something new and original um, that, People want to watch, and it's you know you've I've heard people talk about it on your on your other pod you know you're on the podcast that um, it's hard to get a hit right now. Yeah, you know there are great shows out there that are just not doing much business, and it's that it's a tricky time for that. It's hard to break through the noise. Somebody said, I think it was I oh, I don't think was it on your podcast. Somebody said something recently. No, I think it was at one of the um, Real Screen panels. Somebody said something that I, I think was really smart, which is the 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 trickiest part about trying to, it used to be, and we all remember this, and sometimes we all revert to this and think it's still happening, that you're competing with your time slot. And you're not competing with a time slot right now. Your show is competing with the entire recorded history of television. Yeah, Eli
0: Lair said that. Yeah. I was at that panel with Tom. And I thought yeah. that
1: was a genius yeah. statement. Genius because, statement. Because that is the truth. It's yeah. like your show. Yeah,
0: You're just competing with friends. You could be in the office.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's right.
0: it's the that's the line of Eli Lair. that's the line of 2019 if you're listening. Yeah. Um
1: and when he said that or yeah, when I read that, that's
0: exactly right.
1: I was I thought, oh, that That's exactly. It actually okay. helped me understand it. Yeah. I'm like that's exactly what it is, right. you know? And that doesn't mean you should you stop trying or you're never going to have a hit. Yeah. It just means that we all need to sort of realize that that's what we're up against and and I realized that I do that, right? Like it's 10 o'clock at night on a on a right, Thursday and I want to watch something. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to go look for what's live. I'm going to go watch friends or I'm going to go watch yeah. an old episode of the office or, know. or whatever. You I know? know
0: it's crazy. It's really, it's overwhelming as a viewer. It's overwhelming. So as a producer, it's a whole other ball of wax. Yeah. Well, this has been great. Thank yeah. you so much for talking. I think people will really enjoy the journey.
1: Oh, well, thanks for having me. It's been fun talking with you and congratulations on, on this. It's, it's, it's really fun. I'm going to go listen to all the rest of them.
0: <laughs> go binge. <Yeah. laughs> Thank you. <laughs>